Boo. It's a shame there's not a red light there. What do you mean? Where the red light button is and oh, there is. There is. There, there is. There is. Yeah. I can see it there. Yeah. All righty then. It's recording, right? Schmelkem, Schmelkem, Schmack. No, no, no. Welcome to the next episode of the Secret String Podcast, coming to you every Friday. Yeah. To make your weekend just a little bit better. <laughs> this week's episode is on how to audit your own training, no matter if you're a weightlifter, powerlifter, CrossFit, or real athlete, gym junkie, whatever it is. Tiddly Winks competitor. We're going to show you how to, mostly your gym training, or yeah. all of your training, and potentially some hints how to progress your normal training as well, if yeah. you're a real athlete. Yeah, so I suppose where we start with this is like, how to audit your physiological adaptations uh, training. Is that what you're going to call it? Yeah, no, oh, it's not. Just, uh, I just want to add a little asterisk there to the note to the show. Um, Dara is the quartermaster of the podcast, right? So if you ever have a problem, you ever want to talk, you want, is there something wrong with the podcast? Yeah. Or you want to know why the podcast isn't uploaded? Or you want to know when it's predict- Fitzdara. At Fitzdara on Instagram, right? Or if you want to know why it hasn't been put up yet. Or if you just want to talk about the podcast about something, yeah. you message Dara, okay? You have Do you know what people really love? You have 100% of my permission to message Dara any time of night or day with any kind of queries about the podcast. Do you know what people love? Go on. You'll put up a thing in your story that day. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, we're talking about adult, set on, <laughs> adult onset at, uh, athleticism. Yeah. And then it'll be like 20 minutes later being like, oh, I just looked and that podcast isn't up. Yeah, I'm glad people message you. Yeah. That means people like the podcast. Yeah. And I'm glad people know it's you who owns the podcast. Who's doing the biz in the podcast, right? The biz. I'm glad. I'm I'm actually genuinely glad that people are it's the eater like the eater that you're uh, you're the fucking general sergeant major of the podcast. Yeah. So I feel like the podcast is like a dog that barks outside people's doors. Yeah. Yeah. People are waiting for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, let's kick this off, right? Right. So I'm gonna get straight into it, okay? Get straight in. Where the fuck do you start with your own training? Like how do you start making how do you put yourself in a position? Where you're going to make progress, and then how do you know if it's working? All right. Yeah. That's this. So is, I suppose today is like. Yeah. So if we take like how are you going to audit it? This is a perfect time of year to do it. Of, let's look back over the last, uh, two training cycles, three training cycles, six months, eight months, a year. Yeah. And say, was what I was doing effective? Yeah. Uh, am I happy with what I've done? Am I happy to continue along the same path? Uh what worked what didn't work uh what i actually enjoyed doing what i didn't actually enjoy doing uh what i thought was stupid what i thought was intelligent yeah uh and then maybe let's make some notes over how we're going to change the next six or eight months now so the most important aspect sorry not the most important but the fundamental aspect so the first place to start really is you need to have ways of measuring your progress and measuring what kind of progress you're making if you're making progress or if you're in fact regressing yeah so we will i'll begin with a weightlifter right and then you're going to give some real athlete okay yeah i'll give a weightlifter or a powerlifter and then we'll get the crossfits after that because yeah. they're they're all slightly different okay but weightlifters and powerlifters are the most the simpler is just this yeah there's less variables so for our weightlifters and our powerlifters our measurement of progresses are absolute kilos on any one of our individual or a total of our combined lifts, okay? Yeah. So we know if our snatch and clean and jerk, most of the time, if it's going up, we can safely say what we're doing is working if this happens for an extended period of time 
beyond the beginner stage. So if I'm training for three years and I've had a lot of PBs over the last six to eight months, there's a great chance what you're doing is working. And it may not work anymore, but there's a good chance what you're doing is working. So it's very easy for our powerlifters and weightlifters to see if progress is happening. Yeah. Now, the important part for our powerlifters and our weightlifters is, is you need to be very careful when and how you go about looking for your progress. Yeah. So I think like what we can say is yeah. those initial goals of your snatch, your yeah. clean and jerk, and maybe like your one of your squats is we can call those absolute variables. Yeah. So that would be for a thrower, that would be distance thrown. Mm-hmm. Uh for a weight like if we're talking about weightlifters and powerlifters, that's like your competition total, your training total. Uh so I think that's for the rest of the podcast we'll call those absolute markers. So as a weightlifter, you can test your absolute markers or your absolute variables. That was there farting in the background. You probably edit it out, but I just want you to know, Neil, I might edit this out too, but I won't let it die. You can measure your absolute markers or you can attempt to measure, you can go for a test of your absolute markers reasonably frequently. Yeah. So if you're a beginner, you can do it actually quite frequently. As you move through your intermediate stage, you'll actually probably be in a period where you can do it less frequently. And then as you move later in your career, I think as a weightlifter, you need to test it more often than that, okay? So not always for weightlifters does there have to be an improvement of an all-time PB, okay? What we can often do is break it down into little stages of the last three months. Let's say three months ago, you had a competition, you moved out of a very specific period of training, and now you've moved back into one. And let's say your max is 120 kilos, okay? And you haven't hit 115 kilos in three months. Yeah. And you know within the last two months that there was no way you could have hit 115 kilos. You know you just weren't in that shape. So you've been doing something in training, whatever it is. And then you hit 115 kilos. Now you may not be able to hit 120 kilos. But you know that that 115 was was good. Maybe it was better than the last time you hit 115 kilos before in the last block of training. So maybe our technical aspect of this. So while we haven't improved our all-time PB, we know that what we've been doing in a recent training has been working or not. So you may have hit a shit 110. Yeah. And you know from past experiences, like I was saying, from looking back, you might know around now I should be hitting 115 normally after about three months after I start peaking again I start hitting 115 really easy or maybe 92% let's say let's call it a percentage yeah. on it so you either you get to that stage of training and then you test and 115 is easy you look at what you were doing and then you keep doing it yeah 100% and I think like one challenge like you were talking about there is that yeah. especially in especially in powerlifting but in weightlifting as well if we're auditing a training block, we might only be looking at six months, right? Yeah. Because you might have moved to a new gym or you might have started in university or something. Yeah. So you have six months of training. It's very possible you haven't maxed in those six months. Very possible. And we like we do not want you to go and max. No, no, no. Just no. to fucking see how it's going, right? Maxing and testing are not the same thing. No. So it's, I think it's important. Yeah. So then if we move on from those like absolute markers. Wait, I better touch on the powerlifters because... Oh, yeah, do. So for powerlifters, it's... A different scenario, but it's kind of the same thought process, but over a much longer time period. Yeah. So weightlifting, while we never deviate too far from top performance, that little bit of distance is, is ginormous for a weightlifter. Yes. Whereas for a powerlifter, we want to be looking, you want to be thinking, all right, this competition is six months time, 
but also in powerlifting, we feel fairly strongly for most people competing, if you compete two, maybe two or three times a year, is that competitions are when you test your maxes. So you have to be a lot more methodical when your thought process for powerlifting. So you have to go, it's May now, in September there's another competition that I need and want to do, and this is going to be the time when I measure my progress. So you have have to have a little bit more discipline in weightlifting. So in weightlifting, or sorry, in powerlifting. In powerlifting, yeah, yeah. So in weightlifting, you can kind of, um, what would you say? What's the Yeah, so like what I compare it. it to is like yeah. in weightlifting, you can just kind of train concurrently. Yeah. And you just kind of tip away on everything at the same time. Uh, everything improves all of the time. You're never just doing specific block for this. Yeah. Specific block for this. Whereas in powerlifting, we, you really, really need to be very disciplined with I'm going to accrue some volume, I'm going to get stronger, then I'm going to realise that phase. And like, as you were saying, yeah. if we're halfway through a realisation phase and you want to do like a little bit of an audit, yeah, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're probably going to look back and do, what have I done for reps? Yeah. So uh, if I'm doing like six, sixes and eights now, what weights am I doing in training for four, five, six sets? And how did that compare to pre this training block? So in weightlifting, you can kind of get lucky in your training if you're undisciplined and get close to a max or hit a max. But the problem with powerlifting is... With me being the biggest culprit of that yeah. ever. Whereas in weightlifting, or powerlifting, if you attempt to do this, you may, if you're talented or you're an untrained beginner, you may hit PBs because obviously your absolute potential is much farther away than it would be for a more advanced lifter. Yeah. So the problem with weightlifting is you can throw it off track and then get back on track within three to six weeks. Yeah. Whereas a part of thing, if you throw it off track, you may need to pause for a bit. You may need to rest for a bit. You may need to maintain then for a bit and then reset your training. Yeah. So it's on a much longer time scale. So while your training life as a powerlifter will be a lot longer and your time to progress will be longer, you also have to have, I would say, not more patience, but a different kind of patience to yeah. powerlifters. So if you want to move on to... There are yeah. absolute markers for weightlifters I oh, suppose then sorry I actually just thought of some more stuff for powerlifters right. so now do we were talking about how what you're moving for sixes now versus a year ago yeah you could also look at how that same weight for sixes is moving 100% so while you may not need to do more weight you could say this six this six rep max is moving a lot better than it was a year ago even though it's the same weight because you know it's not a true six rep max powerlifting you know. is another sport that lends itself extremely yeah. well to markers of speed as well yeah so like a lot of powerlifting gyms might have a dynamometer, something that will measure the speed the bar is moving at. Yeah. And that is the perfect test for how much stronger you've gotten. If you can move the fifth rep yep. uh, 0.3 meters per second faster than you moved the fifth rep mm-hmm. six months ago, that's an unbelievable improvement. You can also look in powerlifting as well, uniquely for a lot of sports, is your body composition. Yeah. So in powerlifting... For most scenarios, unless you're a elite weightlifter, or sorry, elite powerlifter, sorry, if you're at the top of your game, your body composition should be slightly improving every year. So you should be taking things like... We're going to talk on that later. But I think it's important for powerlifters in particular. It's still not an absolute though. Well, I think if you're going to, are you going to go to... Yeah. Like... So we're going to talk about absolute markers. Yeah. Physiological markers. Well, it's too late now. And then... But I think for powerlifters in particular, it's, it's unique to them compared to all other sports. So, right. Because I'll throw a little spanner in the works here. Go on. What about... So, yeah. I'm a 100 kilo powerlifter. Mm-hmm. And last year I did 5 by 5 at 180. Mm-hmm. 
this year mm-hmm. I'm 90 kilos. Yeah. Or sorry, this I, year I'm 95 kilos. Right? I was getting to that before you rudely interrupted wait, wait. me. Yeah. Shut up. Yo. No, no. Yo, this shut is, up. I'm yeah. 95, but I've gotten a bit fat. Yeah. And I still do 5 by 5. So I know I've less muscle mass. Right. I know I'm in worse worse shape. Yeah. So. You did 5 by 5 with the same weight? Yeah. Yeah. Who who does that happen to? It happens to people. Maybe you've just gotten better at squatting. See, that's showing a spanner in your works then. I would say that scenario is very unlikely. What you were going to say is. It's very unlikely. You went from being uh, 90 kilos to 95 kilos and you're in better shape. Or you went from 95 to 90 and you're in better shape. Darn it. But you're not taking into account. Who loses weight and squats the same or better bar? Not even me, Fitz. Not even me, all yeah, right? some people do. Name two. No. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. No, of course. So that's, right. uh, that's more of a, a like kind of external. That's a skill. Like, yeah, that's um, yeah. kind of. But if you're a disciplined powerlifter, like we're saying, and you're looking for the long run and you're trying to know that you're training over the course of years. Like if you've gone from 88 to 90 and you've lost, let's say you're very, very, very diligent and you've got your, you've got some kind of consistent body fat measurement and you've lost yeah. like 0.2% body fat or 5% or something like that. Yeah. You know, that's a useful one for powerlifters in particular. I, I don't think that works for like weightlifting because you're a weightlifter. It's such a shit sport. It's just, <laughs> it's just going to break you down rather than build you up really. Right. That's absolute markers for weightlifters and powerlifters. Uh, we'll get across it after. So you want to do yeah. So then for field yeah. athletes, call them real athletes because uh, they're not just field athletes. So I think in terms of like throwers and stuff like that, they'll fall in with the powerlifters. They'll so? have very very similar absolutes. So you'll have distance thrown. Uh, you'll have like sub maximal distance thrown. So with like yeah, uh, increased weights or increased resistance. But then if we look at like what Gurf is calling here, real athletes, like field athletes or yeah. uh, team sport athletes then your absolutes become a lot more difficult to track, right? So if you're doing like, how did this season go for me as a soccer player? Yeah. Uh, it's very difficult if you're not playing with like a big team. You probably don't have yeah. uh, successful shots on target if you're a striker uh, or successful assists. You probably have the amount of goals I scored this year, but that mightn't really reflect reflect how how well you played. There's too many variables involved in that kind of thing too. A load of variables, right? Unless you're absolutely class. Yeah. So, so then, then you'll know like, anyway. The the ultimate goal there is, or the ultimate marker there, I suppose, will be what we won this year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you could have a shit year. Yeah. Yet all your teammates play very well. You could play half the games you played last year. Yeah. Uh, you've regressed as an athlete, yeah. yet you won national championships or whatever it is. I feel like that would not be a good thing. No, that's of course that's not a good thing. Uh, so I think this is where we move away from absolutes mm-hmm. and we have to start looking at kind of more nuanced things. You know, I just thought of um, kind of a subset of absolutes there for yeah. powerlifters and weightlifters. So sometimes, and this will be incredibly personal to you, but I'll yeah. give you just one or two examples. So let's say... Personal to me now. Not personal <laughs> to you. So anyone listening. So let's yeah. say, we know Miso loves doing like a clean and straight into a hand clean, right? Yeah. So if you've been training for long enough and you know this helps your technique or your weightlifting, sometimes you can add in like a subset of absolute variables. So you know that, or we've talked, Clarence used to talk about a lot that if his basketball went up by like 10 kilos, his snatch would go up by like two or three or you hit a PB yeah. soon after, okay? So sometimes in your training and not for a long time, you'll get used to, you'll know that like, let's say, 
you not something so hard as those exercises, but you're like, if I add um, five kilos to my push press, my jerk either gets better in absolute weight or the technique gets better. Yes. Or for powerlifters, you know that if you add five kilos to your dumbbell bench press, your bench gets better. Yeah. So there are just two other smaller subsets too of the absolute variables that you could use as those two particular athletes where you can go, oh, my hang snatch goes up. I always PB my snatch. Yeah. The one problem with these subsets of absolute variables is that they will not last forever or they may not last forever. So you can either use them in, you might just need to do the same weight if you're at a very good level and you'll know that it will help if you keep doing them, but it won't be a great marker. Or you may have to find new ones after a certain period of training, which is a very likely scenario. Yeah. Back to the real athletes. Right. So back to real athletes. And we talk about, we can't really use absolutes in the same way we'd use absolute for strength sports. Yeah. Uh, so what you need to start looking at then is probably physiological things. Uh, physi- oh, sorry, a host of things, physiological things, psychological things, and then just you as an athlete in general. Yeah. So if we look at physiology first, right? Yeah. Uh, most people playing a field sport will be trying to seek some sort of physiological adaptation because we'll always want to be, yeah. even if you're like the the stalwart of the team, you've been like you're in your early 30s, you've been playing years there, you're pro- you're probably not going to look to manipulate body mass or you're no. probably not going to look le- to take time off your 60-yard uh, dash. So you could you could probably do those like early in your careers, like so if you're not the stalwart, you're the up-and-comer. Yeah. So if you're the up-and-comer, you're probably looking for some sort of... Uh, body weight or, or body shape manipulation so you're yeah. either trying to lose or gain some weight get taller <laughs> get taller uh and then you're looking at things like 60 yard dash you might be looking at a certain drill like the illinois t drill if you need to be more agile or have more acceleration uh if you're a, power, a thrower you might be like my hang parkley needs to go up 10 kilos 100 percent, yeah. yeah so they're all like our physiological things oh. other things that that feel at least needs to look at are yeah i got injured four times this year yes when i i got injured once last year not ideal uh, i missed i missed 40 percent of games which isn't a big like that's not a crazy amount of games to miss if you're a rugby player no uh but as a like a soccer player or something yes yeah, like i missed this amount of games this year and that's that's something we don't tend to write down and or sit down on a sunday afternoon and go uh this is how this season has gone Mm-hmm. Right, most of the time you're like, oh, fuck it, I don't want to think about it anymore. Yeah. And then you go on the piss for two months and then you go back into preseason. Like, if we're looking at that, the amount of time lost injury is probably one of the best markers we can have with how well our physical preparation is going. Yeah. So I actually had two points there and I just want to, I want to right. get them out. One is going it, back to powerlifters. No, no, one is just totally <laughs> irrelevant, but there is um, a thrower out there who can hang power clean uh, 214 kilos and I just want everyone to know that because... <laughs> I think he's from Norway and I had, there's a video and I'll try to find it but yeah. it's absolutely mental 214 kilos hang power clean and he's catching it as you can imagine so he's using straps and he's catching it basically standing yeah so I just want everyone to think about that and then think about where your markers are and then think about where you need to get your markers to the <laughs> yeah. other oh the other one was you'd mentioned to me recently that so this will kind of apply probably to everyone listening or any kind of sport but you you'd said it was kind of more field athletes that getting injured was a, like a mindset more than um more than a fuck this happened to me I got really unlucky yeah so if you so, so basically Darren was saying is that like it's your fault no I'm only joking no. so like this I wrote my master's thesis basically around this uh, most of the time we see injuries so right we take a 
a group of 50 athletes mm-hmm. and we say, okay, after someone tears their hamstring, yep. they have a 90% likelihood of tearing the hamstring within uh, 20 exposures to sport after that. So that yep. like that's that's an actual fact. They'll have that's a very, crazy. very high likelihood of, of re-injury or subsequent injury. It turns out that likelihood is there before they first tear their hamstring. That's absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, and it's the same with concussion. It's the same with ACL tears. So it turns out people who get injured a lot are predisposed to being injured a lot before they get... Or sorry, people who get injured subsequent to injury yeah. are predisposed to being injured subsequent to injury before they ever get their first injury. And this is when you talk about... This was done on thousands of athletes, right? Wasn't it? You said them. Oh yeah. So this is done across like forty universities in the states, which is uh, and across like ten or eleven different sports. Yeah. So it means that athletes who say, "Oh, I always do my shoulder," yeah, and then they stop playing rugby because they always do their shoulder, and they think, "Geez, this is a physical thing," you know. This this keeps happening, or I have really bad hamstrings and my hamstrings, and they yeah. uh, It's crazy to think that that athlete before they ever started playing the sport was going to be predisposed to that and this is when you control for playing time so the amount of games they play every year uh time they had away from the sport or time that took them to recover so it's not just that they haven't played enough uh training or they haven't trained enough before they go back into sport it's controlled for gender and experience in the sport so it's not just that they get injured as a kid and then they keep getting injured the whole way through it's just that some people have behaviors that have that predispose them to more risk of injury so would those behaviors be something like they don't pay full attention in the gym they half ass when they're no. training so these are controlled for all physiological markers as well so no no but at, i mean so like when they go to the gym, right? And let's say this athlete tears their hamstrings a lot. Yeah. And they, is it their mindset is like, they just half at, so you're saying it's behavioral basically. Yeah. So this so is behavior of, on the field. But would that behavior, you would imagine it would carry over or it's possible that it would carry over. Go on God, so give the example. So let's say the coaches, the strength conditioning coaches said they're going to do RDLs today and they, he yeah. knows it's very useful for athletes to do RDLs because there's a lot of hamstring tears in this particular sport. And this athlete it's just like, oh, f- is it is it a, is it an example of like, oh, fuck gym work, like this is, this yeah. is, I just need to play in the ball in the fields. Is that kind of, intri- is that like included in that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it could be like, fuck gym work or it could be, yeah. fuck nutrition or it's, it could be, fuck sleep. Yeah. But more so, like what the studies are showing now is that yeah. it's on-field behaviour. So what they started controlling for like, number of impacts these players have had in the game and a lot of the time those players will have had higher amounts of impact in the game if you get what I mean uh, so if you have say you have two midfield soccer players yeah, and you have this player who's extremely predisposed injury or they're, they're very like what we consider to be unlucky with injuries yeah. in a lot of seasons or recurring frequently over the course of multiple seasons what you'll often see is uh, that player goes into collisions at a higher rate than other players go into collisions. Oh, okay. Or you've got a player that would, uh, so in rugby terms, you've got a player that would be second or third tackler in an awful lot more than you've got a player who doesn't have these recurring injuries. Uh, So it could be things off the field, like you're saying, they're not paying attention to their rehab. But then when you control for things like functional movement screening, uh, like things in ACL 
AC, that will predispose you to ACL tears might be like posterior chain strength. When you get controlled, when you get data like this, and it's from thousands of collegiate athletes who are in really good setups and they're controlled for their functional movement screenings, they're all of a certain level where they can be doing like plyometrics training. Yeah. So they have very, very high levels of uh, resistance training for years leading into this. It's more than likely that they're doing things on the field uh, or like in the arena where they're getting injured. Yeah. Uh, that just mean they're going to get injured more. That's hard to change, isn't it? Very hard to change, yeah. Because it's hard to kind of pin down what exactly it would be and you need someone who's very experienced uh, in it, the sport and a psychologist at the same time. Yeah, and when you look at like these injuries that kind of continually happen, a, a good subset of these would be like lower body musculoskeletal injuries. Uh, so hamstring tears, ankle sprains and breaks, ligaments and ankles, ligaments and knees. Uh so how are you going to say to someone, yeah. a basketball player, uh, you need to stop going into so many physical, like you need to stop making such physical contact around when you're defending within the fucking last third of the court. Yeah. You know, realistically, that player is in that position because they work that hard in certain areas and the player isn't going to stop doing that. You know, if, if someone told you you need to pull slower yeah. as it comes into your hip yeah, because you're going to get injured, you're going to lift less weight, yeah. you're going to be a less effective weightlifter, yeah. but you're going to get injured less. Yeah. You're probably just not going to do that. No, uh, And it's going to be incredibly hard to, to nail that down and say, oh, look, will you make tackles less? Like a good example of this is if you've got a player running at you in a rugby match and you have something called like, so people are trained to go cheek to cheek when they tackle. So it'll be if somebody is running at my right shoulder, a tackle with my right shoulder uh, and my the cheek of my face will wrap around the back of them and go to the cheek of their ass. So it means that my neck and head don't get in the way of the person. Mm-hmm. My neck and head are around the back of the person. I'm tackling basically with that right shoulder and that right arm. What you'd see in these kind of higher risk people or people who display higher risk behavior in games is that... Uh, they'll tackle with whatever they consider to be their strongest side, no matter where the person is running. So you'll have somebody who will put their head across and tackle maybe with their left side if their left side was stronger as the person's running at their right shoulder. Yep. So those kind of things are very, very hard to to take out of an athlete. Yep. Uh, that's a bit of a tangent anyway. That was a real so tangent. if we're looking for a marker... Yep. Uh, Say for your footballer, soccer player, a rugby player, a nice marker, as we said earlier, is how many times I was injured this season. And if it's something like, especially musculoskeletal injuries, like quad tears, uh, slap tears, uh, hammy tears, things like that, then you probably need to be looking at your physical preparation a lot more. Yep. Uh, And and then I think we should be... I suppose one thing just to touch on, you getting injured... There's not saying every case if you get injured is your fault all the time, you know. Just just in no, case someone no, takes no, that, no, that, that, no. that that's what happens. Like you may be in a scenario where you have a very poor coach and you're running an awful lot and you're running way more than you should be and way more than that has suggests yeah. you should be doing. And you need to keep running with the team because you need to keep your place in the team and inevitably you're going to get injured. That's not your no. fault. Like no, that is no, not no. something you can kind of do anything about. Well, depending on your scenario, of course. Getting injured is never your fault right yeah so if you're playing a sport yeah like there's instances and there's very very rare cases where okay you 
go on the pace the week before a game yep. and you're not turned on and you go into a tackle wrong and you get injured, right? Yep. Yeah, there's a case to be made that that's your fault. Yep. Right? Yes. But most of the time when we, we have athletes getting injured, it's uh, like it's nothing to do with anything they can control. Yep. Like a hamstring tear, nobody's going out there being like, oh, fuck it, I, I just couldn't be bothered contracting my hamstring yeah, at yeah, the yeah. right phase now, right? Yeah. Like, it's always outside. Of, it doesn't mean we can't do anything to help it, but it's not. Like, nobody goes onto the field to get injured. Yeah. Like, I've been at games before where you've got players being, like, carried off or helped off the field, and you'll have some fucking idiot of a father who's there and be like, oh, not again. Oh, Jesus, no. Jimmy's gotten injured again now. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, what's that idiot doing? Like, Joe? Yeah. It's never your fault. Uh, so, like... So, one more thing just before we move on from this. Yeah. Another really nice physiological marker. Yeah. If you're a field sport athlete and you're doing a training audit is uh, you'll always have tested things in preseason. Mm-hmm. So, it might be that you do or you could do it. You could repeat the same session you've done from preseason. Uh, so, you might have a time for a 100 meter sprint or 50 meter sprint. You might have some gym markers like squatting, benching, power cleans, something yep. like that. Uh and what you might have is a training log where you say, oh, I did this session and I hit these, these weights. If you have an off week or a down week, it's then a good option to go and repeat that session yeah. and see how it went. It's not like in powerlifting or weightlifting where we're saying, don't go and max out again because yeah. we don't want you to max out. It's nothing along those lines. Like this is as simple as you just saying, oh, I'm just going to repeat this session and see how it feels. Uh, if you're somebody who keeps very diligent training logs, then you have the big advantage of you might have written in your notebook and said, uh, did this session and it went really well. Moving on. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so if we move to our final um, cohort, cohort is our CrossFitters. Yeah. Now, fitness athletes. Our fitness athletes, right. Unfortunately, because they do so much they have to be even more diligent with yeah. their markers in some ways. So they have to be a lot more, they got to have a lot more, maybe not diligent, that's probably not fair to the others. Have a better handle of your own ego, I suppose. And I know they love that word and I'm so sorry I said it out loud just as I said it. <laughs> but it's a good example of what I'm talking about because it's very easy to be a magpie in CrossFit and everybody who listens to this who does CrossFit knows exactly what I'm talking about. You're guilty, your friends are guilty, your coach is guilty, everyone in the class is guilty of this being... They see a video of someone weightlifting and they're like, oh, I want to snatch big tonight and they come in and snatch big tonight and they yeah. do 10 kilos or less but they hadn't snatched in two months. So they're like, what's wrong with my snatch? And there's no accountability to themselves. So you've got to be so methodical. Jesus Christ, say the word. Methodical. Brain just wouldn't say it. <laughs> Methodical in your um, the way you measure your absolute variables, right? So you're going to have to take basically, you're going to have to take a hit in your absolute variables at times, but be aware that the hit is only temporary until you refocus on this absolute variable again. And I think of all sports you talked about tonight, yeah, CrossFit is going to be the most difficult one to do one of these audits on, right? Because everything you do has a number, yeah. Everything you do has, yep. uh, you can very easily see if it was a good muscle-up or a bad muscle-up, a good yep. snatch, bad snatch. Yep. This is hypersensitive to change, so you can see if your back squat's been 100 kilos or 110 kilos. Yes. But if you want to make progress as an athlete, yep. 
you have to put something on the back burner. 100%. Right? If you want to make real... Buddy. Why are you going to do that? So, yeah. if you want to make real tangible changes, you're going to have to be worse at something but then you've been in the past. And then, or else you can just do the squirrel programming where you run from gymnastics to strength to endurance to speed yeah. to power in the same to week. gymnastics to strength. Or the same session. Yeah. And it, it's not a sport that lends its... It's different now if you're in like like what we might have considered like competition season before where it's March, uh, you're going into the summer and you have three competitions coming up within five or six months. That's a very, very different training mythology. But the difficulty with CrossFit is when you do these training audits, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, yep. Jesus, my weightlifting numbers are down by 20 kilos from last year. Yeah, But I am... Way better CrossFitter. So you need to pick things at certain times of the year or certain periods and be, say, something like your weightlifting. You'll say, you'll pick a, either a full snatch or full clean and jerk or maybe a complex or something. Yeah. And you get your number in that. And then you say, for the next two months, I'm going to focus on weightlifting a bit more than my other aspects and reduce the intensity and the volume you're doing in those other aspects for a period. While you focus on weightlifting and you get a plan for weightlifting together, you are very diligent for those two months to prioritize weightlifting because you've decided that your weightlifting is needs work. So then you retest so whatever you did at the start. Say let's say you did a full snatch, or let's say you do clean plus hand clean, or a a, a clean plus touch and go clean. Whatever you pick, whatever you feel is uh, irrelevant. So try keep it the variation of it kind of quite similar to the full lifts but it doesn't have to be a full lift as your crossfitter okay yeah even something like a snatch balance yeah so you do that as a start you train for however long you've decided that weightlifting can feasibly get or how long you can give to it or how long you want to give to it and then you test that again at the end of that period maybe six maybe eight weeks something like that you test it and then you see if you got better or you got worse or did you do the same number or improve your technique while doing the same number again. It doesn't have to be weightlifting though. It can be no. gymnastics. It can be a rowing. bench rowing, a benchmark workout. Yeah. Let's say you're just going to go. Let's say you go. Do you know what? I'm actually fairly good at all the endurance. My rowing's pretty good. My weightlifting's pretty good. But my kind of high intensity workouts are just not great. So you go for the next six weeks. Do I, Fran four times a day. <laughs> you're going to go. I'm going to really really diligently and really, really carefully progress my high-intensity wads for the next six weeks. So you pick two to three benchmark workouts that cover a lot of variables or potential variables. And then again, at the end of the six weeks, you test them and it'll be very plain. So pick a day where you know you're going to be fresh or a week or whatever you're doing. So you're testing, keep your testing the exact same, okay? So if it's a a Monday, Wednesday, Friday and you work the same hours and you get the same amount of sleep and you eat the same food for those six weeks. Try keep, like, really, really important to minimise your variables. So by the end of those six weeks, you do, you replace the first week you can or first day and the workouts in the same order as best you can to give yourself the most realistic representation of the work you did. Because CrossFit, obviously, there's a lot of variables. So the variation in your first workout or your first week of testing Maybe a lot different to your last week of testing, okay? So things might have happened yeah. out of your control, but you've got to do your best to control for these, minimize their impact, or if they do have a big impact, let's say you got injured, personal life, work life, who knows what happened and impacted them, 
just be be honest with yourself be really realistic with what happened and go you know what it was in my training it was just that this happened I wasn't able to get in the gym four times a week for that week or for the last three four weeks and that's why I didn't do better yeah I think sorry there we had a brief interruption for a dog explosion um, I think like look, the most important yeah, thing is you you just well, look, I think there you know what on. I think you tell me now so I think the most important thing you need is to uh, minimise any variables in your testing yeah very important yeah. and then for me like the another very very important thing is is honesty like mm-hmm. you need to you need to just if you need to go into the corner and point the finger at yourself be like yeah what are you doing yeah you always do this yeah, you know, yeah. like it has to be a thing like that or else it, it has to be a thing of like look yeah i haven't been training yeah uh, i'm not gonna expect big things yeah it's not that my training was wrong it's not that my coach was wrong it's not that my program was wrong yeah it's not that the nutrition thing i was following it's certainly not my weightlifting shoes are wrong yeah i just wasn't putting in the work so there's a scenario as well in a crossfitter so if, if you if you have picked a six week period or an eight week period or, or, or whatever how long a period you want to test your high intensity wads you want to test your just i'm going to say the word pure crossfit yeah your classical crossfit <laughs> and you know you may have trained incredibly well for those six weeks and you may have made progress and you may have done very good training and you may know that you progressed but then you get your test week and you shit the bed yeah so happens a lot so that's a very important case of be honest with yourself because that is then not a training problem. It's not a programming problem. It may be that you did a fantastically well-designed program and you incremented your variables very well. You did all your due diligence. You did your accessory work. Sleep, nutrition. Yeah. Same time, just everything was perfect and you still shit the bed in the last few weeks or the last week of testing, the last day of testing. Then that is it's entirely your fault <laughs> no it's it's a scenario that you need that's available then if you're training that you need to address yeah and i think like that's something like crossfitters don't work with like or a fucking crossfitter who's 35 years of age yeah goes training three times a week doesn't work with a sports psych right no like obviously if you're a professional athlete or you're a very very serious athlete and you train yeah uh four or five six times a week like you might have some sort of thing going on with some mental skills training yeah uh you may I, have also have a coach who's just who's tuned into that yeah a couple of, over the years has been yeah. for 20 years and has just learned that oh I approach athletes in this manner this does this yeah and or who's able to see like who needs to be pushed or who needs to be yeah. left on their own right but if this is something that you struggle with uh, say you can do all the volume in the world for your squats yeah and then when you go heavy you shit the bed yeah who's that like <laughs> Uh, this is something that you need to address, right? Yeah. Uh, it can be very simply addressed. There's multiple things you might have to try before one of them works, uh, but it could just be a thing of regularly enough going for something that's heavy and not doing it for two, not doing it for three, doing it for one rep. Yeah. Uh, it could be a thing of regularly enough uh, walking up to a bear being strict with yourself that you're just going to do that max snatch once mm-hmm. so like how often do we see it where yeah. uh, a guy is like so they have their 90% snatch and they might do it two or three different times over the course of their session because oh I, I wasn't happy with that yeah yeah you know, it's an easy mindset to get into yeah or they like drop down and go back up you know it, if this is an issue for you 
where test week becomes this big like there's a fog that comes down over test week that you're going to do everything differently yeah. if if that's the issue you then need to be stricter with yourself in your everyday training where you say this today is my top set and I'm going to approach it like it's my maximum it's 85% for a double or something uh, I need to make sure it's technically perfect I'm going to have the same levels of arousal that I'll have for a maximum lift so if I put like the thing I never understand is uh, uh, we could be coaching people for eight, 10, 12 months in a gym. Mm-hmm. They'll do all their squats. They've maxed every other time with no knee sleeves, uh, normal shoes, no belt, no music, nobody roaring at them. And then they're fucking running around the place, slapping chalk on the walls with Gojira playing yeah. and they're wearing uh, their mom's weightlifting shoes somebody else's knee sleeves and my powerlifting belt and you're like yeah. oh right you missed that really yeah, oh jeez that's mad like the, y- y- your reptilian brain is going <laughs> you know, I think that touches an important point that I feel I've kind of I think it affects me anyway but I'm I'm sure it must affect a lot of weightlifters and we've mentioned before in the past especially weightlifting or, or powerlifting or something like that is the momentum in your training then you're gathering will affect your mindset massively because if every session is great you know you're going to smash it whereas you need to be a very mentally strong lifter to have shit training but then still pull it out of the bag later yeah so i think we should get to the bread and butter now and talk about how do you approach in your training let's say for a weightlifter or a powerlifter and i've been thinking about this one right Jesus So you have Give me a How to approach what? So you're programming Like how do you approach What you do in your programming When you've decided So there's kind of two I think this is kind of more How to program for yourself And such But it's kind of um, I think it ties into What we're talking about Right So let's say you're a weightlifter Or a powerlifter So not how to audit your training Well it is kind of It's how to decide What you're going to do With the information you gather From your audit Like you've decided that Let's say your test week Didn't work Yeah and you're like, oh, because I think this is very important. Like, where do you go from one audit to the next audit? Yeah. So you've like, let's say we're going back to our powerlifters and weightlifters again now, because it's kind of an easy variable for a lot of people to understand. You max and you didn't do better. You didn't do, let's say it's that guy with the 115 again. Yeah. You didn't hit that. And you're like, oh, I should be hitting that. And I did the same thing again. So there's two paths you can take, right? And I think they're equally valid depending on the person and how intelligent you are. <laughs> you can either... That has to be added. Training intelligence needs to be high for coaching yourself. You can go on two paths. You can either, for our powerlifters and weightlifters, you can reduce all the variables down to just snatch, clean, jerk, and then just squat, bench, and deadlift, right? And then you slowly add in different variations or different aspects or different tempos or whatever variation you want to add in. And then you audit it again and see what happens, right? Or you can start, let's say... You want to minimize your training, right? So your audit went pretty good, or went very well, actually. But you feel like you could be more efficient. You feel like... Streamline it. Yeah, you feel like there's a lot of floof in your training. You're like, do I need to be doing... On this point, I think a lot of people have a lot of floof. Yes. So I wanted to get to one or the other. So I feel like... That's why I said the first one first, because a lot of people might benefit from that. So what you could do for the first one is you just slowly add in a variable. So let's say, like, the chances are very, 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 very high, unless you're a freak that just doing your snatching, cleaning, jerk and just doing your squat, bench and deadlift. Well, maybe for the powerlifters a little bit more, but the chances are you're not going to get better. So the next time you audit, your results yeah. are no surprise are going to be down, okay? <laughs> so then you start adding in, 
I'll take myself, for example, I removed power snatches, I had them back in, and things got better. So you go, okay, so it seems like power snatches is something I need. Yeah. Let's say if powerlifter, you were like, let's say take dumbbell benches again. Yeah. You're like, dumbbell benching is something I need to have in my program all the time. Whether it's psychological or physiological, you need to be in your program, right? So, but let's say you're someone, and it's very likely you're someone with a lot of floof in your training. You By floof, right? Yeah. What we're alluding to is... Nonsense. Uh... You do... Junk volume is, I think, the the term thrown around in... Um, shit volume. <laughs> so you do uh, 48 minutes. And at the end of the 48 minutes, you're kind of getting to around 60% of your working sets for that day. Yeah. So you've probably sat in a foam roller. Yeah. Nothing against foam rolling, but be efficient with it. Yeah. You've probably done something with an elastic band. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> that's joking on that, hopefully. So you've probably done something with an elastic band. Idly done it, by the way. Yeah, with no intensity and no real direction. You were talking to someone, obviously, like, why else would you yeah. be doing that? you've probably taken a lacrosse ball out of the bucket of lacrosse balls. You've rolled your glute. You might have done, like, one set of little rolls. Oh, yeah, the, the shoulder. Glute, like, yeah, 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 or the shoulder, yeah. And the glute as well. Uh, you might have done some face pulls, but you only do, like, two sets of five. Yeah. Uh, don't really warm anything up. Well, you don't have shoulder pain, but it's just in case. Yeah, you're just, like, you're chatting. You're chatting. You're just, oh, no, I'm just warming up. Yeah. About to hit my sets. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's fluff right yeah uh, the other things that fluff are is yeah. uh, taking 14 minutes to get a glass of water in between you doing two different exercises I actually thought about this stuff I was thinking about more like um, do you need to be doing eight sets of pulls twice a week yeah or yeah, can you yeah. do one set of or four sets of pulls once a week I'd call that less fluffy fluff than most of the shit we see so that was probably junk volume is what I was talking about so the fluff there obviously is alluding to is um, well he's not alluding to he's, he's saying it directly what it is and I lo- you know yourself you're doing that just one thing on fluff right yeah the fluff fluff like the non-junk volume fluff like the yeah and a lot of time people are like oh look they're they're in the gym yeah like people say this all the time with teenagers and with youth athletes like yeah oh they're in the gym like Joe does it really matter if yeah and it, at the end of the day it does matter right yeah because like it especially matters for adults because if they spend an hour and a half four times a week versus an hour five times a week mm-hmm. that makes a big difference big big difference uh, or if they spend two hours three times a week versus one hour six times a week yeah that makes a huge difference and it makes a huge difference because if we do six one hour sessions that gives us so much more option for accruing volume 100 uh, for sharpening the axe for doing everything it just makes everything better rather than they're there for two hours three times a week they all, go home yeah their husband or their wife is like, where the fuck have you been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids are after ripping the, ho- the roof off the house. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, fluff a lot of the time is because people like hanging out in the gym. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, right? Yeah. But it's not optimal for performance. You want to go in, do your fucking job and go. Fluff after is okay. It's not, a, I would think is a less... Lesser evil. Yeah. Let's say you're, you're hyper militant when you come in and you get the stuff done. And then after, if you want to hang around and talk to the lads, Definitely. talk yeah, to yeah. people for 20 minutes. Like bit, of a, a bit of a cool down, yeah. like a psychological cool down. Rather than going into the car, driving home, yeah. listening to heavy metal and then going to bed. <laughs> so uh, just yeah. on your thing then. How so, would you, so how would you get rid of that fluff? Just stop doing it. Just stop doing it. And you know uh, what it's fluff. And what I like to do is, so we yeah. have this in our club programming, is I have itemized training times for each one yeah so it's like general warm-up zero to eight minutes uh more specific warm-up nine to yeah. 17 minutes mm-hmm. and like that's how i do it 
I just think that makes better. It makes for much better coach athlete relationship. Yeah. It makes for better athletes and it makes for better coaches. So for touching on the training fluff, like the extra volume. Yeah. Um, so we so I have some views on this as well. Um, no one cares what you think there. <laughs> so, so we've have picked squatted to ninety. <laughs> so we have our our audit times and our intervals in between, yeah. and we know how long it takes, and we know when our next audit is. And you, let's say, you have a sneaky suspicion that clean pulls three times a week don't really do anything for you, and you you're coaching yourself, or you're you let's say you have a coach and you bring it to them. But you think maybe there's something more productive I could be doing, or maybe it'll just be more productive if I didn't do these clean pulls. And this is just for a weightlifter. What you can do, and you have to be willing to take a hit here. You have to be willing to go. If I remove, let's say I'm doing the pulls three times a week, and you bring it down to two times a week, you just change the variable slightly. So don't go drastic with things. If you can just do a little bit, and let's say in next audit you still do quite as well. You have two options then. You can either reduce it further, yeah, a little bit again if you want. So let's say you're testing every, let's say, three weeks or whatever. You can either reduce it down again to once a week. See that your next audit didn't go very well. You add it back in. Your next audit goes well again. You think, hmm, maybe this is important for me, so I should keep this in. Yeah. Or you could do, some, let's say, like I'll give you a personal example. I was doing, I kind of test every two weeks at the moment. And I was doing power snatch maybe two to three times a week. And I'll give you two examples in this spectrum, one that worked and one that didn't work. So then my clean and jerk, or sorry, for my snatch, I basically, in my clean, I stopped doing pulls. So any kind of pulls, I added in Romanian, or stiff-legged deadlifts from deficit, and I stopped doing any power snatch while I was still doing power snatches. So I did one on it, I did pretty, I did good, because I did power snatches up until that. But I had been doing many pulls, okay? So then I approached my next audit, I didn't do as well. There was not the same bite. So I took a look at my training. I spoke to, for example, Gabriel and Dara, and I say I asked Gabriel what, what he used to do when he was in, his, in great shape, and he said, or well, he basically said that power snatch has to be done once a week minimum. I thought that Dara was like, what do you think about adding power snatches in? And Dara think was like, that seems like a good idea. I added it back in power snatches, but I also, the opposite end of the spectrum, I left out my pulls still, so I don't do any snatch. I stopped doing snatch and clean pulls. And my next audit went very well for both of those. Yeah. So for me, I'm luckily in weightlifting. The feedback is as clear as you can get it in a murky order, basically. I think especially the big advantage you have is yeah. you're doing so many sessions a week. Yeah. Uh, at intensities where you can actually see yeah. issues arising, like you're 100%. going up to 85, 90% regularly enough. Yeah. Uh, I think that is a big... And you're very, very honest with yourself yeah. when you're doing... like. There's a lot of times when you look back over three weeks of training or four weeks of training and you're like, oh, well, this isn't going as well. And I'm like, Gareth, yeah, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Joe, like yeah. you're you're being too critical. Yeah. Uh, I think another thing where people can look back uh, this, especially in weightlifting and in powerlifting yep. is where they look back and they have two different options. And it's they either haven't done enough volume to have the strength or to be able to train yep. with the high numbers afterwards, or else they've done enough volume, but they've never realized the kind of strength they've they've gained. So, so yeah. I, th Sorry. I think if you're looking back over your training cycle, like obviously you, you have high volume cycles, you have medium volume cycles and low volume cycles. Yeah. 
But if you're looking back over a training cycle and like say you have the good testing procedures whereby you test a back squat single every six or eight months. Yep. Uh, and you look back and say, geez, my back squat hasn't gone up. But the way you're like, you're doing all tens, eights and sixes. Uh, then obviously you've accrued enough volume, but you haven't done any heavy weights to kind of push your one rep max up because it's very, very possible to increase your 10, 8, 6, 5, 4 rep max. That's probably the most common question I get on back squats. And never have a one rep max no. uh, increase. So I, I think that's that's one avenue is that people have done loads and loads of volume, but they haven't tapered correctly or they haven't r- done like a realization phase where they've gotten stronger at a one rep max. Yep. And then the other phase, which comes a lot, yep. is that you look back and people have done a lot of doubles, a lot of singles, yeah. uh, a lot of very, very high intensity work, yeah. but they might never have actually taken the step back to accrue some volume. Uh, so I, I, like, if you're sitting at home doing this now yeah. and like say like back squat is perfect, yeah. deadlift works perfect, pressing works perfect for this, yeah. even in snatches and clean and jerks, you have to be able to say, did I do some volume? Yeah. Then did I do a realization phase where I went heavier? So I think that touches on, um, you know, the two paths I left out there. I I led you to, I suppose, was that you... Bit of a Robert Frost. Two roads I've just like. <laughs> so you either add a load of variables or so you add some variables yeah. or you remove some variables. But the important thing there is that, and I, I mentioned at the start and there left, was like, you need to be intelligent. So we're not just slapping shit on the wall for a training program. We're not just throwing down like you're not going do you know I think I definitely need uh, no foot no hook no snatch no fucking no barbell snatches why girl because you saw it on someone's story <laughs> <laughs> yeah or you're like oh I saw these lads doing pin pulls uh, isometric pin pulls and I don't know why they were doing it yeah but I think I need to do it and just you just horse it in there and you and do this this yeah. happens all the time with crossers especially yeah right so what you'll see <laughs> is you'll see uh, uh, okay I'm going to throw out an example right you'll see Steffi Cohen does uh, she does, does, like, she does like yeah pins so the bar stops just below her knee and she does like really heavy pulls where she's pulling into the pin at that position right yeah and then over the course of the next eight nine ten days on her story she'll yeah. be resharing 50 60 100 athletes yeah. doing those and I'll be honest with you it looks like Steffi has a good reason and I think she's yeah. mentioned that she's oh. just trying it out and like if she's doing it she probably does have a good reason right yeah. incredibly intelligent training yeah really really thinks about things it's when she speaks about her training she speaks with a great deal of intelligence it's so intelligent it's really boring to watch yeah. <laughs> that's no a, but that's like that's yeah. how it should be except weightlifting because it's flashy <laughs> it, got, no, it has it, that in powerlifting go on it it should be like that right yeah. where it's like Treat monotonous by. there's yeah. a reason for everything there's no flashy pbs yeah, yeah there's no holy shit i put 20 kilos on something joe it's like all really really regimented like she talks about uh three by five at 70 percent, and then she's like three by five at 70 percent again this week but moved well yeah you yeah, know yeah. it's like whoa that's really boring i'm sorry but yeah but she's a great athlete oh, absolutely but she knows where she wants to be yeah. and what she's headed like she's not going oh these pin pulls are really boring let's say the pin pulls do work for you and you're like oh, i'm sick of doing them i'm just going to do heavy deadlifts you know yeah she's not doing that and that's not what you should be doing either and on one of your points earlier when you were saying yeah uh, about maybe taking some floof out or taking some like needless volume out yeah uh go to the things that you like the most uh like if you really really like doing power clean plus whatever the fuck it is yeah you probably don't need to be doing it just as a yeah. as a very 
quick overview rule of thumb. Yeah. Uh, if you really like benching, mm-hmm. you probably don't need to do it that much. You know, if you really, really, really like back squatting. Yes. But it makes you oh. slower when you're All weightlifting. Right. Uh, calm down. Uh, yeah. That's a good thing. There's no, there's no, there was no need for that. <laughs> you're just throwing out barbs there. Left, right. And you hurt a lot of people now with that. Kind no, of I've hurt one person. And you've he's hurt right here. And you he, hurt, he knows I'm right. You hurt some other people with those barbs before. <laughs> um, so really like the f- the focus of what we're saying there is you need to be really really intelligent about what you're doing yeah. and if you don't know you can either ask someone who you think will know or you can do a trial by error and if you're a smart person you'll learn years hence yeah. and you'll have 2020 hindsight and you'll be able to help yourself and other people maybe <laughs> or you'll be a dumbass and you'll never get like better 14 years of doing it you might start a podcast <laughs> <laughs> or you can just Flaff around and fluff around the water, paddle, and never get any better. Yeah. So you have you need to be like we like one of our most popular podcasts was the importance of going slow, and the slow was in capital letters, and people really enjoyed that. And we don't, we didn't say the importance of not training hard. We said the importance of that kind of training that Steph yeah. is doing is not very good. Intelligent, like controlled. You know what I think? Real athletes kind of have an advantage is when they go into the off season. They've had such um, a desensitization to all these exercises, or resensitization, I should say, that it's going to be a fun three months if it's done right. Yeah. Like you're going to go, yeah, last time I squatted 150, but this time I'm going to do 170. And coach said I had to gain 10 kilos body weight. So fucking here we go. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because your on season is going to be grueling most of the time. And what's hilarious, like when you look at professional rugby players. And it's probably and the time you're taking gear as well. Oh, <laughs> And they're part. in off season. And you're like, you see all these guys like, Oh, getting in after it on the Watt bike today and there's yeah. a pool of fucking blood and vomit around and you're like, what kind of psychopaths are you? Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you're suddenly taking the reins off, right? Yeah. You're going, oh, you, like, for these two months now, you yeah. have to come back in this kind of shape. Yeah. Uh, every other single day of your life, yeah. you go into work at eight o'clock in the morning, there's a whiteboard, you do exactly what's on the whiteboard, yeah. you might train one, two, three times a day, uh, you're told what to do, you have some kind of input, it might not even have some be. sort of autonomy. Uh, it's probably then, on the pitch, and it's yeah. raining, and it's cold, and you're wearing your legs. 100%, yeah. yeah. And uh, there's three guys ahead of you to get onto the first team. Yeah. Uh, so then when you're in your off-season, and you see these guys doing these horrendous, grueling workouts, yeah. or they're doing like... Uh, intermittent keto fasting and you're they're like oh, i'm loving it so much yeah like it's it's just the novelty they're loving it looks so fun i i, t- I told her what my wine is going to be i'm going to gain 15 kilos in body weight and just, so, yeah. just do some back squats <laughs> i don't know i think that's probably not going to be later much later in the year but I, that's what I, that's my off season in my head november yeah prob- just gonna no not november <laughs> so have you anything else the last thing yeah uh how long is this uh, 50 odd 55 minutes probably spending over 4 hours talking yeah uh, yep. so just the last thing then I'd, I'd touch on is control so we talk about like autonomy being really important in training yep. uh, I think if you can look back and say I've taken more control and it's had a positive effect it's always a very very good thing right yep. so if you're training uh, let's say for example you're a field sport athlete and you've most of the time we don't have control right we right. we arrive at training we might train three or four times a week yep. one of those might be a gym session uh we probably don't have that much control 
we're just we do what we're told at training where we might have control is around prehab or like prehab injury prevention whatever you want to call it we might have control over or we do, would have control over our diet uh but what it could be is uh no i'm gonna do extra mobility work two times a week and that's me taking a bit of control that's so boring isn't it uh yeah or it's i'm gonna <laughs> yeah. get eight hours of sleep and that's me taking control and you want to get it at the stage where over the course of multiple years of really really intelligent training and really really intelligent auditing of yourself uh whereby you could sit down with a youth athlete and say this is how i control my nutrition this is how i control my injury prevention this is how i control uh what kind of you might have control over your snc work but you might have control over kind of body composition alterations it's probably better you don't have control over your SNC yeah work. yeah yeah uh but i definitely think if you can look back and say or if you're training in a crossfit gym yeah and you say okay two times a week i go into the gym 15 minutes early yeah and i do or 20 minutes early and i do work with an empty barbell yeah that's you taking a positive or having positive action yeah. to control more of your training and because, uh, it's definitely not yeah. you going into the gym being like maxing oh i just i'm gonna just do the max snatch out tonight and uh, uh look i'm just gonna spend an extra 20 minutes just repeatedly attempting this max snatch that i'm not going to make i'm not gonna do the workout i'm not gonna yeah. do the cool down i'm just or you gonna, might have done the workout yeah yeah uh that's not what we mean by control so that kind of that little stuff like they are going in say like people ask a lot in my Q&A's and the stories and they say how do I get better footwork in the jerk and you know when you don't get better footwork in the jerk is at max weights uh, that's the worst time to get better footwork in the jerk the best time to get better footwork in the jerk is when an empty bar before and after every session really consistently for like three months and then you the second best time is every other time you're not in the gym yeah you're waiting for the kettle to boil bam dip drive boo bam dip drive boo you're waiting for the toilet dip yeah. drive boo dip drive boo Are you saying dick drive dip drive i think the most important thing to take from this is that you just need to be really 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 smart with your training you need yeah. to plan it like you're planning a study i think like if you're if you read any kind of studies or you've any kind of scientific training plan your training as best you can plan yourself like you're a case study and you're that one person with like that weird skin disease and they're trying this weird yeah. diet on you yeah treat yourself like that treat like yourself like you're this athlete who's doing rather than just say it's like weighted jumps and they're seeing what it does to all the other variables treat your whole training like that treat it so just so like just just be so like i don't want to say that word it starts to what, what's a better word regimented regimented be so militant that's a way better word yeah way less offensive. not militant Mil- yeah <laughs> be real be, militia be, yeah, be a terrorist be, about your so be incredibly like there's art yeah. in the extreme organization you can bring to your training yeah uh you're just after listening to an hour of a podcast yeah about how to audit your own training yeah. you obviously have some interest in this uh like there's a lot of positive steps you can do in the direction of becoming more organized more controlled and eventually more successful in whatever sport you're doing or however you're choosing to train. Yeah. Uh, just go out and, like, we've said it, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Yeah. You've got the stuff to do it. Yeah. Just go out and do it. So I suppose Dara touched on this recently and we, sometimes we bring up podcasts or potential people we might interview and Dara uh, is basically, will these people help the people who listen provide us, provide them with the clearest path to success? And we're both guilty of of um, bringing up topics where the answer is undeniably no. Yeah. So 
obviously idle gossip about doping is great and other like vegan stuff like that yeah but um you know we've I've, i like <laughs> i threw out the subject of potentially interviewing um this particular carnivore fellow who talks about um training while carnivore died and stuff and, and there was like well what's it going to bring and i suppose the answer was nothing yeah. but I, I would be interested in seeing what they had to say but it doesn't really help people so what we don't want is we want you to start carnivore with a load of testosterone <laughs> and growth hormone and you'll be grand we don't want that no so like we don't want to open uh kind of, kind of a portal or yeah some sort of way for people to be like maybe i should do bulgarian training yeah maybe i should, should do go carnivore. carnivore maybe yeah. i should go vegan yeah maybe i should try sleeping an hour waking an hour sleeping an hour waking an hour did someone do that yeah, 100%. Who does that? Yeah, there is a thing. What? Yeah. Don't. Uh, oh, the 90 minute sleep cycle thing. People, oh, I remember someone said to me before, they um they try to time their their sleeps for 90 minute sleep cycles. Yeah. So they go to bed and like 40 minutes later, whatever, if yeah, they miss yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, so like, it's not that we're, we're not artificially limiting what the message is we put out. No. Or we're not just saying like, oh, well, these people agree with our opinions. Uh, yeah. And like, we're going to have a weightlifting coach on in a few weeks who, like, there's plenty of things he says that we don't agree with. Uh, I, stop saying who at me. You know what I'm talking about. You're just after forgetting. Uh, there's plenty of things he might say that we mightn't put in our programs or we mightn't agree definitely with. Garf, d- stop shaking your head at I, me. I can't think of what we're talking uh, about. Go on. So, like, it's not that we're just being like, oh, well, our opinion matters and nobody else's opinions matter. Yeah. We, ju- we just don't really, like, there's yeah, so like, much noise out there. I think that what I was trying to say is, like, what I touched on earlier was that, you know, the your environment affects you way more than you know. So yeah. oftentimes the way to convince someone is not to aggressively tell them what is important, but it's to... Just mention it. But it's basically shown if you just mention something yeah. enough, people will subconsciously change that subject. So we don't want to bring in people who for fuck's sake Gurf started talking his t-shirt in and now look at you that's uh, that's the best one ever that is just I like you know those t-shirts I think like obviously I didn't I didn't uh, I mentioned it like I didn't I'm losing money in those and I think it's just the funniest thing ever yeah um if you go to redbubble.com and you search for if you're not talking t-shirts please buy one because I think this is just I think you know what I said to Dara is uh two memes you think they say lightning doesn't strike twice but a second meme but you know what, Dara? It's empowering. That's why people took it on. It's not a fad. They're taking control. It's not a carnivore diet. It's not a vegan. People are just... They're just tucking in their t-shirts. They're tucking in their t-shirts. They're streamlining their bodies. They're yeah. fucking getting more efficient. And it's not even just weightlifters now. Someone talked... Just, long feel, s- just feels comfortable. Someone had a long sleeve t-shirt and they're doing deadlifts. A baggy kind yes. of long sleeve. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Um, like, it's just it's just a way of life, really, you know? <laughs> and it's not a fad, Dara. You don't you ever say anything like that ever again, right? But I think what we're saying is that we just want to while not bring on people that we definitely don't agree with but we just want to be because there is people who are getting productive results and we want to bring them on and we may not agree with what they're saying yeah 100% but we want to hear what they say because we might listen to what they say in six months down the line and be like oh you know that actually makes sense yeah you know sometimes Gabriel says things about technique and we're like uh, that would go against the grain of what is observed but then and then in three months time you're like oh uh, well that makes perfect sense yeah so that happened today. Yeah, it did actually. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk about that because that won't make sense to anyone listening. <laughs> but but thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, I think the we're... merch will be out soon. Oh yeah, so we're getting really, really good merch and I can't wait to get it. And I just realised we we're, we're going to have to buy our own merch off our own stuff because we didn't order extras for us. Yeah, I know. Fuck it anyway. Fuck it. Uh, but I... Um, so we've got some... So what we've definitely got coming 
is some royal blue and jet black crew necks and they are fabulous they're, they're pretty light because we knew we wouldn't be yeah. getting them to later winter so you'll still be able to wear them depending where you are although yeah. some of those freaks in like california wear them they wear like hats and shit and they're like yeah. and it's summer all year round they just do it to look hipster uh, so we have some we have the classic jet black t-shirt with white logos any color black any color once it's black we have the classic jet black beanie hats oh yes the beanie hats are coming <laughs> uh and that'll be it for the first order we had looked at some other things and obviously quality is paramount and there's no point telling you guys some shit stuff so yeah we will have more stuff very soon they'll, but they'll come out a few weeks after that yeah, yeah but yeah. they'll be close behind yeah you'll be able to get them at seekstrength.com uh just to talk about some train changes to the programs so the weightlifting program the continuous blocks will stay the same the powerlifting program will be changing while we will still be doing blocks it will be larger blocks yeah, larger segments because powerlifters from what we've gotten back prefer that they like to see an end destination and yeah so listen, if we, basically yeah. what was happening is we had a lot of powerlifters and they buy a block would say can I like buy block one two and three yeah uh, that's happened it's too messy more times than we can yeah and like it, it, we, we, we kind of had see, it set up for block three to four ish <clears throat> yeah it was more finished the peak by block four but we're going to change that and have yeah 12 tw- week blocks we think it's going to be a better scenario and it's the feedback we're getting we're also going to have an option for uh so for people who are looking to go up a weight class there's yeah. going to be a separate program go down a weight class separate program yeah uh so there'll be plenty yeah. changes coming in that front so anyone who's ordered the backstop program, just email us and, and ask us for the maintenance phase because yep. everyone from hopefully by the end of next week will have a maintenance phase, an eight-week maintenance phase included in the program. They, I know we've heard us talk about this a lot, but the programs aren't written in a day. They take a long time to think about. <laughs> seek um, bodybuilding or seek a mass. We're not sure what we're going to call it. Um, seek a body armor. We have the... Uh, I was sitting on the plane uh, for three hours on the way to Budapest and I really like... I sent Dara maybe 50 <laughs> messages. Yeah, obviously had. the inception had started about six months ago. Yeah, we I, talked about it a lot. I couldn't crack the nut in my head, and then I, yeah. I think I, I got. I hope you still have those messages because I can't I remember. Do, yeah. So we have those down. It'll be a program you buy once off, but you'll be able to use it uh, in theory forever. And yeah. realistically, I'm just as a thought there. We'll probably send updated versions every few months. With, yeah, and so what? Where this program will kind of differ from the others is yeah. it's going to be much more of a a kind of a system of training so the yeah. other the other programs are like continuous like blocks a practical you have ebook. session one two three four yeah. next week one two three four next week ne- one two three four whereas this is going to be a system of training you'll be you'll be involved uh, in you'll the decision have, making yeah definitely and you'll be selecting from like if you imagine like a matrix a matrix of exercises for yeah. each of the Dara loves Excel by the way <laughs> <laughs> I love it yeah uh yeah, so it's go, it's going to be a different. Let them. Uh, you'll be selecting different exercises, different volumes, different levels of intensity for different reasons over the course of the block. Yeah, uh, it's going to be cool. It'll be something we'll be talking about more and more in the coming kind of month or six weeks. Uh, Seeker Press obviously will be coming. That'll be coming very soon. That's um, just a publishing some, company. <laughs> Seeker <laughs> Penguin Press. Uh, the Seeker Press strict press program or bench press will be available soon it'll be very similar to the road anywhere um after that where super total will still be a ways away um that's um that's a toughy one not a tough one to get but it's it's more nuanced a lot of our, as we're talking about absolute variables to yeah. balance but obviously there's a huge demand for it 
Yeah. And it's not an impossible program to, to to bring into existence. Like, it's not an impossible philosophy to have. I think a lot of what it is and, like, a lot of what the time with the Super Total program is, is, yeah. like, we need to see things. Like, we saw what happens when you're weightlifting, but you've gained a bit of body weight. Yeah. Which but will probably happen on a super weight total yeah. or, have, or a super total program. People need to be diligent too in the super total program. Yeah. Uh, we've seen what happens when you do a lot of bench pressing, but you're trying to do cleans. We've seen what happens to people's mobility when they're doing uh, a huge amount of squatting, but still kind of a relatively good amount of weightlifting. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things there that are, that we slither into our training concurrently just to test them out uh see how it goes it gets slithered into my training a lot <laughs> there is the, the dummy uh but yeah like all these things take time you know you're the um you're the like that that fake person the ballistic test on yeah 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 it's like it's a classic thing of like joe every welding page or every like plumber's page in the world has like uh you're not paying me for the 30 minutes I'm in your house. You're paying me for the 30 years of, like, whatever it is, like, you know. You, um, you're not paying for the, the Excel spreadsheet. You're paying for the the 19 months that Dara had to figure out how to snatch when he couldn't touch his ears. Um, and can't wait to see Dara do his bodybuilding competition this year I'm as well. not doing a bodybuilding competition. Everyone said you should do it. I'm going to edit this piece out. No, you wouldn't. I think you wouldn't be able to. That's why you, could, you wouldn't do it. Ian's, Ian not. agreed with me. You know, when Ian says something, it's I am not. cutting but true. I am not doing a bodybuilding competition. Do you know why? It's because you couldn't, you couldn't just ram it in at the last two weeks, and you couldn't just be fucking. Yeah, I'll figure it out. You'd have to at least give eight weeks of like consistency. I am not. Yeah, doing a bodybuilding competition in the next two weeks, but you will do it in a few months. <laughs> That's all I'm hearing. Thanks for listening. That was that. Uh, that was a good one. That was a great one.